I am Blaze Bailey. You are experiencing probably the best show in the world, Puppets Corner. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Poverts Corner. This is unbelievable right here. So, um, obviously, we are broadcasting out live out of the San Diego Metal Swap Meet right now, and we have pretty much the headliner of, of this event, Mr. Gene Hoagland. Gene, how you doing, man? Thanks again for giving us a couple minutes of your time. Absolutely, Tanner. I'm happy to be here, man. I'm doing great. Hopefully, everybody's having a good time today. It's, it's, it's been a tradition for many years. This old San Diego Metal Swap Meet, so we're having a great time. Now, what you did today was kind of unique, I would say, because you were playing, obviously, your whole career on stage and telling stories and, and whatnot. Now, is this the first time you've actually done something like this? No, I've done this lots of times, actually, and this is actually the shortest set that, that I've ever done. Doing it in this kind of manner, because this is essentially, it's kind of the same way I do clinics. Um, usually, the clinics have more talking, so... This was just concentrate on the music, gab a little bit in between, you know, in between the transitions from bands to band kind of thing. And, and so, yeah, man, I just, I, I snapped, I got a snappier set, just short hour long set. So it was pretty darn, pretty darn fun. Now, how, how much, uh, how many, how much exercise do you have to do when doing something of this caliber compared to a two hour, three hour live show? Is it just you, you get on stage and just... It just wings it. You wing it, or you can still Usually, well for something like this. Um, I actually, I started rehearsing last week for it because I just finished uh, tracking the new Death Clock album, and so once that was done, I got back here to San Diego, and then uh, I just went and I, I I put together a set list, you know, just a playlist off Spotify, and and um, there are there some of these songs I I I don't play regularly so there's a couple of things i had to remember you know drum licks and drum fills and i just figured ah oh, man if you blow something who cares so there you go and when choosing the songs and whatnot did you just pick your specific favorite that you wanted to play or did you kind of want to showcase more of like the the songs that don't get appreciated as much from your specific career well it was more i tried to uh give a little bit of a blend of you know, give the people what they want. Make sure you play a few, few popular songs or whatever, or ones that that sometimes drummers have always pointed out. Like, hey, that song "Zero Tolerance" by by Death. That's a that's got some interesting things to it. I'd love to see that ever you know close up kind of thing. So I tried to just kind of run the gamut of songs that people, general metal folks that aren't musicians, just they want to hear those songs. Um, and those who are musicians, you know, try to showcase a couple of the songs that seem to resonate with with the more musicianary type folks out there, and just you know, just try to have some fun. All of these songs are fun to play. You know, like for instance, "Shitstorm" by Strapping. That is that came off our, you know, we we only toured very briefly after that. We threw that one in the live set, but it's been since 2000. I don't know five since I've ever played that song. 
So there you go. So we just had some, I had some fun with the set list. Now, you are speci- in your specific career, you're more kind of all over the place in terms of the bands that you choose to play, the stylistically wise. Now, I'm curious, is there a specific style that you have not yet played that you would like to record a record? Like, is it, uh, I don't know, a hard rock kind of band? Is it a synth new wave pop band? Is there a specific I, style you've never done that you've always I tell to you, do? I would love to play some, like, sweaty, greasy funk. You know, some old school, just where you're just in the pocket and just laying off just kick-ass licks and cool shuffles, even that kind of thing. So that would be awesome, you know, because when, when it comes to metal, I've kind of run the gamut of it. And I, I would not still be playing metal if I didn't enjoy it as much as I do. You know, I love playing metal, so it's really fun. And that's why I have tried to bring outside elements to keep it interesting for myself, if I was just kind of playing the same old kind of Dark Angel approach or something, um, maybe I would feel like I'm getting pretty stale. But since I do, I have kind of run the gamut, you know, with Dark Angel, just savage, savage music. Uh, death, a little more complicated, a little more technical. You get to stretch out your chops a little bit. Strapping, got to be really intense and blast beats and hauling double bass and psychosis. Um, and just, it kind of runs the gamut. So I've been able fortunate that I've been able to keep myself very engaged in playing the old catalog because there's always something interesting, you know, a song like Skeksis by Strapping. I don't think anybody's ever done a song like Skeksis, so it's like, that's a really fun song to play. Now, you brought up Dark Angel, and I know you primarily wrote a lot for Dark Angel and mm-hmm. performed it. Do you do you like to that specific creativity with in playing in a band, or do you just like to kind of go into a band and just play with what they've written and put your own spin on things. It does run the gamut. There are some projects that I do and some bands where they're they're pretty involved in the drum arrangements. Like they they know what they want. So I'm always I'm always happy to accommodate. You know, like for instance, like with, with Testament, Mr. Eric Peterson, he's got a pretty good vision of what he's he wants to get accomplished, get across, and a lot of there's been times when I'm like are you sure you want that approach, Eric? Because I've got something, I've got something from my brain. You know, I am a drummer, and he's like, I want this approach. You know, so sometimes you take a step back and you wanna, you wanna give. I always want to give whoever's writing the song. I want them to have their vision achieved. So uh, that's why I'm. I would rather have their happiness than me putting my stamp on some song. It's like, hey, man, if this is what you want, then I'm happy to, to be the guy for you. How well, often, though, when you when you put on your piece, if they want to hear what you want to add to it, do they say, you know what, I like that better? And then they and they add that. A lot of times, yes. Like, say, for instance, like Brendan Small from Death Clock. He always, you know, when he gives me songs, there's a, a template, but he's like, dude, <laughs> you're like, you do your thing to this, That's you know, great. like here's kind of the kick pattern I'd like to hear and the snares in the spot I want. But as for the, it's, it's, it is a basic template. So it does run the gamut. Some people are very, um, I guess, you know, anal or something, you know, they're just very, they, they've got their vision in their head of, you know, they, they hear the song in its completed form and that before it's even tracked and that's how they want to hear it. So fine. That's great. You know, and other people like, I'm into letting this song take a journey in the studio and let's see what we come up with. You're always going to come up with something better than me because I'm not a drummer kind of thing. I can program drums. A lot of people tell me that. So 
it's it, it gives me the best of both worlds, and so I'm 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 pretty darn stoked. Now, you mentioned funk earlier. That I, I'm just genuinely curious. Was that the style of music that you had had grown up with? Like, what were some of the bands that you particularly were starting out? kind of hearing for the first time just as a as a young kid well as a child boy i was all over american pop radio from 1969 through 76 you know kind of up until about the disco era i i loved am pop radio you know that was amazing and that was one thing since you um you had live drummers on stuff like that you know you got a song like i don't know all by myself by Eric Carmen. It's got a great drum break in the middle of it that, you know, you just you you don't hear anymore. Because nowadays it's like just do as little as possible, Mr. Session Drummer, or we have him programmed, that kind of thing. So back then you got to show a little bit of creativity. You know, you got you know, you got a guy like Steve Miller. I mean he's a guitarist, but they were so drum driven, the Steve Miller band. There's an example, you know, so you know, I, I just I grew up with the American pop radio, and then that kind of evolved into what I guess is now classic rock. You know, all the all the bands from the 70s, from, you know, Aerosmith to Cheap Trick, Kiss, Black Sabbath, Queen, Pat Travers, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was super into all of that as well. So I've always tried to bring—I'm I'm fortunate that I've got a, a, a pretty wide musical taste, and I am all about, like— bringing in some of the 70s influence or bringing in some of the non-metal influence. I loved Motown growing up, still to this day. Uh, bring some Motown influence if you can get away with it. And usually you can. So that's your foundation, essentially. All, all of that, that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Totally. Do you, have, do you have a drum question for for Mr. Uh, Gene Hogan? Yeah. He's just listening. All right. So so who who was the... What, what made you pick up the, the, drum, the, the sticks and say, you know, this is what I want to do? Animal from the Muppets. Holy mo, who didn't want to be a drummer when you see old animal, man? <laughs> but no, I, I, I was just, I, I remember when I was, I guess, maybe like seven years old, second grade, I used to just sit at my desk and just, you know, tap on my desk all the time. And I think probably when I was about seven was when it started kind of hitting. So I became an air drummer at about age eight. And that's how I taught myself how to play drums, by air drumming, you know, play along with all your favorite songs. And I was actually trying to, teach myself the drums you know like say you got a you know i'd start off with peter chris from kiss big influence you know on the very nascent gene um and then you know started building into guys like you know neil peart of course tommy aldridge and and i would listen to their music and i would play air drums along to it and i'm like you know you're actually you know like with the neil peart song you're actually you can you you can hear what he's playing with his hands you can hear what he's playing with his kick drum I'm, you're you're giving yourself a lesson with each song that you drum along with because it, you're just, you're just absorbing all that information that is being thrown at you by this musician that you look up to, and it just all it all becomes part of the sponge that grows yourself totally. Now let's venture into this territory here, where you know for the bit uh, the big part a big part of your initial career at the start, you had never played to a click before and again uh, if I'm wrong correct me please but I don't I believe you hadn't played to a click until you had started jamming with Devin Townsend yeah that's true so I'm, it's I'm, obvious too <laughs> it's painfully <laughs> obvious man. holy <laughs> moly God. I'm, I'm generally curious though what playing to the click taught you at first when you first kind of went into the studio and said holy fuck how am I going to 
How am I going to do this? Was it natural? Well, yeah, even was it natural? Yes, it was very natural. I was I was surprised for that because I, you know I I've, I've had friends in bands, big bands, you know, good friends, where their first time having to use the click, they turned into a just a crying puddle of goo. You know, they just could not pull it off. And so with that in mind, I was like, I've never played a click before. I remember it was like Devin. We we had done. Uh, for for the city album, we did a total of four rehearsals for it, and those were spread out over about four or five months, kind of thing. You know, a couple of rehearsals here, a rehearsal here, a rehearsal there, kind of thing. That was it. And when Devin mentioned, you know, hey man, I I I'd like a few of these songs to be to the click. You know, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, let's figure it out. I wrote some tunes, went in the studio with a click track, and I was like, oh holy moly, I'm I'm okay at the click track. Thank God. So. Yeah. It was it was fine. So yeah, I love playing with the click. If there is no click, that's fine too. You know, pretty solid meter. But I mean, God, like there was a song in the set today. What's it called? Um, it was uh, it's Crystal Mountain or Zero Tolerance. Yep. There's uh, I'm doing some kind of snare pattern, playing the hi hat, and coming back to rehearse to this song. You know, I'm like. God, your meter's terrible. You know, it just starts at this tempo and then it starts ramping up. And I'm just like, oh, God, I was the, <clears throat> I was, I had to, you know, it took a while to get your meter together. You know, I, I hear it all Only over the Only Gene would notice that, though. <laughs> oh, it's painfully <laughs> obvious now. Now, let's go back to the, the Dark Angel period of your specific career and, and what you're doing now with them. Because there's been kind of some news, but kind of not some news. So I'm curious what's going on in the Dark Angel camp. Well, so far, you know, we've been playing a lot of live shows, and we tend to play kind of festivals because that just kind of works out the best. Um, we're writing the next album, and I've been concentrating on writing that, and Jim Durkin is also writing. At the moment, Jim, he's had to take a little bit of time off from some live shows, but that was always kind of built into our system because when we got ourselves back together, he's like, hey, guys, just so you know, there's going to be sometimes somewhere in the future where... I might not be able to make certain shows or there could be an entire run that I might not be able to make. So, you know, as long as you guys are cool moving forward with it. And we were able to get a good eight years with Jim, you know, at least. And, you know, so there you go. Um, and, you know, we're just writing and we're just trying to make it the most aggressive Dark Angel music that we can make, you know. Will this be the first with a click? Or are you doing it without it, just like all the, the first four? That is a good question. You know, I haven't considered that yet. Um, I would imagine I probably would use a click for it, um, but it's not mandated by any means because this is old school visceral thrash metal. You know, it, it didn't back then. There were no rules, you know, just like. You know, did you know that when you come into the second verse, it's faster than the first verse? It's like, no, I didn't know that, you know, but there were no rules. So just just play vicious and fast and aggressive and from your heart. And that's the way to do it. And I love that you ha you still have Ron Reinert on on vocals. That's and right. Just, yeah, I mean, man, he's crushing. So <laughs> to me, he's my favorite of the Dark Angel. Me too. You know, I'll tell you. Absolutely. You know, Ron's great. And, you know, over the years, he has developed this, like, timbre to his voice, you know, where his voice has gotten even lower and richer and more rumbling. So that that's pretty darn cool, but too. I'm definitely going to utilize that. But he's always had this singing style underneath the raspiness. Abs absolutely. Which makes it so unique to thrash metal. Darn so tootin'. Yeah, man. And that's just, since we are old school 
you know, OG years, there were no rules. That's why when Ron came into the fold, there, I, I couldn't put rules onto it and say, you got to sound just like the last guy or, you know, I was just like, Ron, be yourself. I'll write for you. Now, was there a kind of like a boat of contention when it came to, uh, I guess, pressure when getting Ron initially into Dark Angel at first? Well, no, we were really happy to have him. He was pretty instant because we had gone through about 10 months of rehearsing some talented guys, some good guys, but we were like, hmm, they're all, you know, any one of these guys that we've jammed with, they could do the job. It could be all right. It won't be bad or anything. But then when Ron came around, it was like, yes, That's like awesome. instantly. So That's we're like, great. yay, Yahoo, darn too. So, so this next album, if you, I think it was Time Does Not Heal. It might have been Leave Scars. There was a sticker on, on the tape, on the cassette that mm-hmm. it came with. It was like, this contains 56 riffs in a song. Oh, yeah, 246 riffs. Yeah, are you trying to beat that this time? God, Lord <laughs> Almighty, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all, man. That was just, that was just a, a, how, that, how that turned out was, you know, when you're, when you're figuring out the, the publishing, and I wanted to make sure that whoever wrote the majority of the song got their name first. In the in the like credits on the record, that's why you'd see Erickson Hoagland on some of the some of the songs, and sometimes it's Hoagland Erickson. But I just wanted to make sure, you know, I just want to be fair. That's cool. And so I just I was like, well, I guess you're gonna have to count up the riffs. You know, this one's you know I had a little <laughs> chart. You know, just this one's Brett, this one's me. These four are Brett, and this one's me. And I just kind of went like that. And when. When we had tracked the record and it was all done, turned it into the record label, I got a call from one of the record label guys, and he was like, God dang, there's a whole lot of riffs on this record. And I'm like, well, as a matter of fact, there's 246 <laughs> of those things. And then months later, we see it on the poster, you know, nine songs, 67 minutes, 246 riffs. I was like, that's great. Are you kidding me? Best promo ever for a record. <laughs> that's pretty fun, man. Gene, I want to thank you again for giving us a couple minutes right of on, time. Tanner, to, my pleasure, to, man. To Very do this cool. with us and, uh, I look forward to many, 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 many more of your albums coming out. Excellent. Where can people uh, find and support anything Gene Hoagland now? Well, let's see here. I am, uh, you can find me through, you know, you can type up GeneHoagland.com, Hoagland Industries, or Reversed Records. That's my management. And, you know, we got the merch, merch store through Reversed Records. And I also... Uh, during the pandemic, I, I, I started becoming a live Twitch streamer, and I haven't been able to concentrate on that as much since now it's just a you know zero to a thousand of you know miles per hour of life. So, uh, but I I want to come back to you know doing some odd streams, you know getting some streams in and have fun because we have a really we have a really good time with them. And so there you go. But yeah, man, just pay attention to all the socials, and I'll always try to keep everybody updated on on what's been happening, what's going on. I appreciate it. Well, Gene, thanks very much Thank again you. for, right for on, coming Tanner, my on pleasure. the show. I appreciate it. So. Very cool, man. Another episode of Poppers Corner, guys. We're out of here. Cheers. <laughs>